When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, my co-host, Ben Ayton. Now, Ben, it's a Saturday morning this morning. I woke up this morning thinking it was Sunday, because we usually record this on a Sunday. It's a Saturday. Watford played last night. It was an old cliche of a wet, windy night in Stoke. Could we do it? Uh, we, we, we were able to do it. We won 2-1. How are you feeling this morning, Ben, on this Saturday morning, especially after last night's victory? Yeah, feeling good. Um, it's nice to get another victory in the bag, that's three victories in six days now for Watford. I think that's oh, probably yes. the first time this season we've got three victories in a row. Um, so, yeah, waking up, it's a sunny day, it's a bit cold. Um, Watford moved up to third in the table. So, yeah, I can't complain, mate. How about you? Good stuff. Yeah, um, same as you, you know. It, it, it always sort of ruins it for me a little bit whenever we play on, on a Friday because Saturday's your day for football. So, you feel a bit lost on Saturday. So I don't know what I'm going to do with myself today. I might go out for a walk or I might go on a bike or something. I've been hard at my fitness this week, so managed to shift a bit of weight, which is good. Um, but yeah, no, very, very happy with that performance. Well, not the performance, but certainly the result, as you say, three wins in a row now, uh, three in six days. And it's uh, it's absolutely superb. But um, me and Ben aren't alone. Some of you may have seen, we, we did put a tweet out yesterday. We are actually... Joined today by the Watford Observer senior sport reporter, uh, covers everything Watford at the Watford Observer. Uh, it's Ryan Gray. Ryan, how are you this Saturday morning? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, a bit happier after that second half, I think. Um, yeah. Last night, I'm sure we'll get into that. But other than that, yeah, yeah, pretty well, thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, before we do talk about the game itself, uh, there was a little bit of sad news that come out of the, the, the club. I believe it was before kickoff, uh, where the ex-player Johnny Williams uh, sadly passed away. He made 419 appearances uh, and he's actually ninth in the club's list of all-time appearance makers. And he was uh, in the 1968-69 promotion winning campaign and the club's first ever cup semi-final in the 96, uh, sorry, 69-70 season as well. So uh, some very sad news there, just before we we do touch on that, our thoughts are with Johnny's family and friends. But moving on to the game itself, um, 
we obviously were to expect rotation. Um, there was only the two changes for the game last night. Gray come out and João Pedro come in. And um, it was, who was the other change? It was Chalaba, wasn't it? Was, was it Chalaba coming in? Yeah, Chalaba came into the side as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, Sem- Semmer and Gray came out the side and Chalaba and Pedro came it. into the side. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gents, just before we, uh, we, we properly delve into it, I am having the worst morning on planet Earth. So you'll have to bear with me today. Um, but Ben, we'll, might as well stick with you. When you saw those two changes... Semmer, I was a bit confused about. Maybe it's because of the amount of games and you want to keep him fresh. Was there any, was you overly surprised with that? Was you perhaps maybe expecting to see certain players because of the rotation or? Um, we knew there was going to be a bit of rotation due to the fixture um, schedule. We got, like I said at the start, that was off third game in six days. Uh, the ex- <laughs> it was expected to have changes in it. Um, it, it was probably right to see Pedro come in for Gray um, as well as Gray maybe did Tuesday night um, he, he had a better performance didn't he Gray he just couldn't stick the ball in the back of the net but Pedro he's a man on fire at the moment so he came back again to partner Troy Dini up top um, it was a bit confusing to see the lineup. to be fair um, fully expecting us to maybe go 4-3-3 and with the players that we had in the side you would maybe think that it would be Cleverly, Hughes and Chalabar as a three in the midfield and then maybe a three of up front of Saar, Pedro and Dini. But it didn't turn out to be like that. It was more of a 4-4-2 and it was a bit of alternation in that midfield four. It felt like no one was really out on that right-hand side at the start. You'd see Cleverly out there. You'd see Hughes out there. Then it ended up Saar was back to his normal spot, but I'm not, I'm not sure if Ryan knows a bit more about this. But was it? Did you know why Semmer wasn't in the side last night of the A team? Was it maybe just down to resting him with games coming up next week? Yeah, um, Cisco was quite uh, quite direct after after the game when he was asked about Semmer. He said he, he just wanted to rest him. Um, you know, he's he's played in every game he's been available for so far this season. So I think he is. He was due a bit of a breather, and, and that came last night. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that most Watford fans, when they're looking at these squads, we, we obviously know rotation is going to be key this year. We've just seen Philip Zinkenagel, who's massively, massively rated, you know, um, incredible stats for his old club. I understand that he's needs sort of bedding in, but are these not the perfect times to, has Cisco Ryan maybe said about um, Zinkenagel, why he's not starting him straight away or why, why he's not starting him other than the Manchester United game? Uh, I mean, granted, he, he made a little bit of a longer appearance last night because he came on in the 60th minute, but is has given any indications to maybe why he's not started any of these games? Because in my eyes, and I'm sure in a lot of other Watford fans' eyes, these are the perfect games to be starting him when, when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, etc. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think he um, should be perhaps given more of a chance. I know they're sort of the idea is they, they want to bed him in gradually and, and get him used to the you know the physicality of the league. And because you know he's been playing in Norway where it's a completely different game, they play mostly on on all weather plastic pitches out there as well. So you know, there, there is a lot for him to get used to. And I think that the idea is just to, to bed him in as gradually as they can. And, you know, while the, the rotation 
without him is working for now, then um, then I think they're happy to to be a bit more patient with it. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, me, me and you spoke about that before, you know, obviously coming over uh, completely different league. We're not expecting him to replicate, as nice as it would be, though, we're not expecting him to replicate the sort of statistics that he, he sort of pulled out the bag in the um, Norwegian league last season. And he obviously used to playing on all the pitches. So everything to, to take into consideration. So maybe it's just us what for fans being a little bit impatient, but I'm sure his time will come. I think he, he, you look at him as well, and he's, he's just played the whole entire season as well. It would be a big ask for him to come in and hit the ground running in the championship as well. So you can understand why Cisco's maybe a bit cautious with him, and he's like, he doesn't want to start him straight away. Maybe give him the odd 10 minutes here. He got half an hour yesterday. Yeah. You might see a bit more of him at Millwall, but with what Ryan said, it sounds like Senna was fully rested yesterday, so he'll probably come back in for another start, so probably be another bench appearance for him, but you don't want to burn him out, do you? It was the same with Joel Pedro when we signed him um, and he joined up in January, he, he just played pretty much a whole season in Brazil and you didn't want to bed him in straight away. So, yeah, you can totally understand it. There's so many games left in the rest of the season, so you don't want them to, your new signings to come in and pick up an injury because of fatigue. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and Ladies and gentlemen, you probably noticed that we, we just spent quite a little bit more time than we were talking about the lineup itself. That's because the first half was far from a classic, wasn't it, Ben? Um, it, it was, it was the, the cliche lived up to expectation. It was a tough night in Stoke. It was wet, it was rainy, it was windy, it was everything that you would sort of link and connect with with a Stoke away. Um, nothing major to report other than, well, there's only two things to report, really. Brilliant link up play. Obviously, Stoke were, had their lion's share of possession, although they didn't actually have a shot on target themselves. They had the lion's share of possession. We only managed one shot, which was on target. But for that shot that Chalaba had, Ben, what brilliant link up play that is. And we wouldn't have seen that under Vladimir Ivich, I don't think. Or am I being too harsh? Um, might have been able to see it through Ivic if we had more time and he actually had more first team players available to him. I do feel a little <laughs> bit harsh for him still. Yeah. I still think the players at his disposal wasn't the players that Munes has got now. Um, but yeah, we might have seen it. But yeah, it was good interchange, wasn't it? It was between Messina, Chalaba, and um, Husey and Chalaba yeah. getting his shot away, and it was a good save by the keeper. And but it took thirty minutes until we actually had our first shot of the game. Yeah. Yeah, 32 minutes. And it does worry a little bit. Obviously, we, we talk about not being potent enough and not, not taking chances. We are seeing to create more chances under Munoz, uh, which is good. But it's the time in which it takes to make one of those chances count or at least have a chance. And if we can just patch that up and maybe... I'd quite like to see a list of... You know, Sky usually put those graphics in the corner. Um, most goals in the last 10 minutes or most goals from set pieces. I'd quite like to see a list of most goals in um, first 15 minutes. Or, or at least I'd quite like to see how many we've scored. Because I'd imagine it'd be quite low. Because we, 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 we do tend to find ourselves sort of starting a little bit slowly this season. Um, from Ivic, even under Munoz. Um, trying to get that shot away and trying to get that first goal. Um, you, you mentioned there that 32 minutes had that chance. Um, Ryan, how did we not get a penalty in that first half when Messina was rugby tackled by uh, Norrington Davis, who is uh, an ex-Luton player as well? He's, he's already he's already tasted defeat once to us this season. He's, uh, he's now tasted it twice. But how, how did we not get a penalty there? 
Uh, I'm still scratching my head about that one, to be honest. It was, uh, it seemed pretty clear from where we were and the referee was, you know, in a very good position to see it. And honestly, don't know how that happened. I mean, there was a, a bit of a theme with Norrington Davis running through through the match. He uh, he clashed with Deeney right at the start of the second half, um, where it looked like Deeney sort of accidentally trod on his foot as he ran past yes. him trying to, to header a ball. And then there was a bit of a, a push and shove with Ismail Assar later on as well. Um, he he seemed to be out to cause some problems last night. And, uh, you know, luckily I think Watford got away with not having that penalty. Um it was it was a bizarre decision because it seemed just like a, a real stone wall one from where we were sitting. Yeah, and you know, a lot has been made this season of the standard of refereeing in the championship, and I, I never like to criticise referees as I've I've been one for a number of years, a few years ago. So I, I never like to criticise them, but Ben, he's he's got to be pointing to the spot there, man. And the the, the other thing as well, the EFL need to stop changing the referee appointments last minute. Because it makes us look like we don't know what we're talking about. Because it was meant to be David Webb. I don't know if you noticed that, Ben, but it was uh, Zoli Langford in the end. But either way, he should have pointed to the spot there. I'm sort of scratching my head. How has he not done that, Ben? Uh, I think from our view, it was. Um, but I was watching Sky Sports back this morning yeah. and they were showing, they slowed it right way down of a view of what the ref had. And the second sight player grapples with Messina, Hughes walks across the referee and blocks uh, his view a little bit. So I think that's where it, we probably haven't got a penalty. And and obviously the, the linesman is looking straight down the line and looking to see if it's going to be like offsides as well. So I think that's why we didn't get the penalty yesterday, but it, it's frustrating. But we, we got our we got what we deserved in the second half, didn't we? You did indeed. I tell you what, Ben, that was a good little bit of analysis from a referee's point of view. You can be our Dermot Gallagher on the pod from now on, or, uh, or Pete Walton. We'll go to you in the van, and you're just <laughs> reviewing every decision from now. <laughs> As you say, they were the two real talking points. I think the less said about the first half, the better, because he didn't make you know for good reading there. They had 59% possession in the first half, eight shots, zero on target. We had 40% possession. One shot, one shot on target. Um, and, yeah, they, we, we got two yellow cards as well. Also, I just want to point out as well, that CRL to yellow card, very, very clever yellow card for taking one for the team there. Because if he lets Powell run, he's putting Klukas through one-on-one with Backman. Backman might save it, we don't know, but better to be safe than sorry. So, very, very clever yellow card. And CRL to continues to impress for, uh, for Watford. Let's move on to that second half, because that's when the, uh, the bulk of the action happens. Um, we, we saw a first change, Will Hughes coming off for Zinconagel. How refreshing is it, Ben? I know we talk about this and we might sound like a bit of a broken record, but Will Hughes, he's just like, he's just brilliant. Everything sort of sticks to him. He, he, he's winning the ball brilliantly in the middle. And hopefully, because he started another game now, hopefully we can sort of see him have a bit of a, a run in the team. I hope so. He definitely adds something different to our midfield. Um, yeah. He, he he grabs the game by the skin of his teeth, doesn't he? he just he, he's he's a bit of a terrier. He fights for every ball, and that's what yeah. we kind of lacked a little bit in midfield. Um, we, we've talked about Cleverley's work rate, but I think he he even outdoes Cleverley sometimes with his work rate. Um, but yeah, it was great to see Hughesy back in the side. That was his second start, and back to back championship starts, and mm-hmm. you can probably see why he got taken off because he's just played. 
um, last week as well. But yeah, good to see Hughesy back and he definitely adds something to our side and we're definitely improving with Hughesy in the middle. Yeah. And, and Ryan, I, I want to ask you, sticking with the subject of Will Hughes, has, has Zisco maybe pointed out anything in press conferences? Why it may seem a, a little bit sheepish to, to maybe start him more? I know he's returned from injury and you have to be careful and it's sort of that old sort of saying of wrapping them in cotton wool. But the Hughes, should, we, we've not seen a sort of long recovery sort of return from injury like this for, for a while. Has Zisco maybe said something? that you think, oh, okay, that, that's why he's only starting here and there. And when he is starting, he's coming off at X time. And has is, is he pointed anything out at all? Or? Well, I, I know against, um, in the, the last game he didn't start, was it Barnsley he didn't start? Uh, <laughs> there's been so many games. Yeah, this, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I'm losing um, track myself, yeah. Yeah, he, I, or, or maybe the game before, he, I know he'd been unwell in the week beforehand and so he, he hadn't actually trained um so I think that he's just had rotten luck really hasn't he because you know he's he's obviously if everybody's fit he's one of the first names on the team sheet you'd imagine um and yeah. since coming back he's he's really proved that I think last night again he he did a lot of the the ugly side of the game that a lot of the other players don't do quite so well. You know, he, he breaks up play, wins wins possession back and is is usually very positive with his mindset when he gets the ball and tries to, to play forward rather than backwards. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's just had rotten luck. I think that's all it, all it is. You know, he, um, he came back from injury, then he had uh, other problems. And then, you know, he, he came back again from that. And then, you know, he, he was unwell, the other week, which kept him out of, of that game. And so it's good to have him back. It's, it's great to have him as an option. And uh, I thought he was impressive last night. I was a little bit, you know, um, when when he was taken off last night, I wasn't sure it was the right decision. Um, it turned out to be a, a good call in the end. But, um, yeah. yeah, he's he's definitely one that, that I think Cisco wants to, to keep fit now that he has him back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you say, he's he's had rotten luck. So maybe if we were to start him and play, give him a full game, sort of two, three weeks in a row, that's when we might see to start to see sort of longer term problems. So we could, you know, I'm sure a lot of Watford fans will, will, will understand that. And I think it's just frustrating because we've got a midfielder now. Obviously, I'm not comparing him to Kapu, but Kapu was, they called him the octopus because he was able to get intercept from anywhere so it's um it's really really refreshing to see a midfielder getting um stuck in so three minutes after that change the zinc and change uh the inevitable happened it seems like it's happening a lot recently Ben Troy Deeney winning well he didn't win the penalty but Troy Deeney creating a chance which won us the penalty uh, I'll talk about Troy Deeney in a little bit but first of all that ball he played over the top for Sar absolutely superb um, and then João Pedro, I just want to point out as well, that was absolutely superb work because that ball, if he did, he could have very easily left that, you would have seen a lot of footballers in that position just leave that ball to go out and then it's a corner, it's a goal kick or whatever. The fact that he went for that ball to keep it alive, knowing that he might not have actually made anything out of it, but the keeper was then having to bring him down because of the position he was in. I thought that was a very clever play from João Pedro. But... 
brilliantly sort of worked straight away from Troy Deeney. And I think that was the theme of the night. I'll talk about him just before we, we talk about his penalty, but we've obviously spoken about over these podcasts, like I, I, near enough every week, I'd say, how every time Troy has a bad game, everyone's jumping on him. You know, the the, the abuse that Troy's got over on Twitter over the sort of, over the course of the season, end of last season. And are we maybe seeing him because Munaf is playing him deeper? He's sort of coming in, winning the ball and creating these passes and some of the passes last night, you know, for Sars goal as well, we'll talk about. But I thought he was absolutely incredible. And I think that he will benefit playing in a deeper position. This position that Munaf is playing in him at the moment seems to be his best position. Do you agree, Ben? Um, I, I thought he really struggled in the first half. To be fair, I thought the yeah. second half he was outstanding, but first half I thought he was he was quite slow. Um, second half, I think everyone upped their game. Second half, and there was a lot yeah. of urgency, and I think Troy was leading from the front and setting an example for everyone else. And he he was he was faster, he was more aggressive, and it's for Troy of old. It was vintage Troy Deeney. I thought um, with the two assists yesterday, it was like Troy Deeney turned into. Bruno Fernandes with that little chip over the top for Sar to run on to and then we, we won a penalty after that. And then for, I know I'm jumping ahead of myself a bit, but for the second goal as well, what a lovely weighted pass through to Sar. And it was just like, it was just reminded me of the first season we got promoted um, and we was playing away to Newcastle at St. James's Pass and, and Troy did an identical assist there where he slipped the ball down the side of the defender and the gala ran onto it to put it into the back of the net. And it was just, it was good to see that we can still rely on Troy because there, there is doubters. There's a lot of Troy Deeney out yeah. people. Um, but yesterday, I think second half, he shows what he can still bring to this side. Absolutely. And the, his experience is key. You know, Tom, we had Tom Wicks on, the editor of the Golden Pages last week, and he outlined it although he might not be having the best of seasons or some people might think that he's he's past it, his experience alone, we will miss that massively when Troy moves on. Absolutely will. Um, also, you mentioned that goal, which we'll talk about in a second, the, the Ishmael Asar one. I thought it was that the pass, the weight of the pass, I thought that was identical to the one where he put Sar through one-on-one against Liverpool. Because again, it was a similar weighted pass. It was a similar pass. I think, was it the outside of the foot, that one? Um, yeah. And it was it, it was a carbon copy of that. But the the more like Troy Deeney can bring so many players into it, we saw it with last week uh, against Barnsley. Um, you know, I just think that at the moment he's doing really really well. Um, so obviously we won that penalty, and obviously Troy Deeney was going to step up. Now I was thinking in the week, I thought he said on national radio where he puts his penalties. He said. Every penalty he has, he puts it down the middle and he takes a brave goalkeeper to take one in the dish. Now, he must hit them with that much venom that you just cannot... Like I think Zisco said in press conferences that we don't. he doesn't actually put our goalkeepers in front of Troy's penalties whenever they're practising them uh, because it's too much of a risk. But he continues to do it again. He's now top goal, joint top goal scorer with João Pedro on, with six goals. Yes, Five of them are penalties, but I don't care. If he plays like that, that second-half performance, if he's going to replicate that every week, then he can score penalties for the rest of his career, for all I care. Um, Absolutely superb. 
I thought that then set the tone of the game for the majority of the second half because that last sort of five, ten minutes was really tough watch. Um, and then four minutes later, as we've talked about, that goal for Ishmael Assar, brilliantly weighted pass through Saar one-on-one. Usually, sort of recently, I wouldn't have backed Saar to actually put that away because he, his, his confidence has sort of looked a little bit shattered and a little bit dented. But he did brilliantly to put that ball away. And, you know, we've, within the space of four minutes, we were tuning up and it looked like it was going to be a comfortable rest of the game. But it was quite the opposite, wasn't Ryan? You know, you, you were there watching. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like watching that sort of in the stadium. But certainly from home, that sort of last sort of 10 minutes. And then the six minutes of added on time, where he got that from, I do not know. But that was a really, really tough watch. Um, but we somehow managed to stay on. How much, what, how much pressure did they actually? You know, was it evident from being in the stadium how much Stoke were really trying to get behind their players and really push us? Because obviously, we can only see so much in watching from TV. TV, but being in the stadium itself, was it evident that Stoke were really, really pushing us after we went two 0 up? Or yeah, there was, I mean the. Stoke confused me a little bit last night because they had Stephen Fletcher and Sam Vokes on the bench, yet they decided yeah. to play Mick Powell up front. And as soon as they made those attacking changes, the, the whole complexion of the game changed and, and Stoke looked a lot more threatening and obviously Stephen, Stephen Fletcher got the goal. What I don't think helps the situation was a couple of Munoz's changes and maybe that's something that he's still learning. You know, he's, he's still a relatively new to relatively new to, to management and and you know that's um something that I'm sure he'll get to learn and and get to grips with the the more he works but you know it just making those defensive changes bringing on Ngakia and Cathcart I thought it maybe upset the balance of that defense a little bit and and allowed Stoke to find a bit more space and it it was a very nervy final 16 minutes in the end it turned out to be after Fletcher yeah. scored and and, you know, they, they did well to see it through. Um, but perhaps I think it'll be one where that Munoz reflects on later on and, and thinks maybe I could have, you know, stuck with the defence that was doing well up to that point. And, you know, you can understand him wanting to make the changes with a game coming again on Tuesday night and, you know, Saturday, Tuesday cycle starting up again. And yeah. But it's, it, it is one where I think they maybe would have benefited from keeping Sierra Alta and, and keeping... Uh, for many are on the pitch. Yeah, well, I, I just want to stick with you a moment because when Sierra to come off, it's it's very rare, as you say, that you see light for light defender unless there's an injury. You, you could understand maybe if he brought a midfielder off and put a defender on or he brought a striker off and put a defender on, but light for light, it, it is very rare that you see that. And, and same with the Ngakia switch. Sky alluded to, or at least that's how I took it, that Sierra Alta might be carrying a knock. Is that something that was evident when he come off the pitch or...? No, it, it didn't. You know, he just he came straight off. At, from where I was sitting, I didn't see him. You know, usually if a player has a knock, you see them immediately go down the tunnel, get themselves mm-hmm. an ice pack, and come come back, and then they'll be sat for the rest of the game. You know, sort of icing whatever knock it is that they've picked up. But yeah. he seemed fine to me, as as far as I'm aware. It's it was just you know resting him because he, he has had so much game time lately and yeah. he's still relatively new to, to English football. 
Absolutely. Well, thank God for that, because I'll tell you what, that, that would have been a blow if CRL did pick up a knock. But Ben, you know, we've just mentioned it there, Cathcart coming on. <clears throat> it's great that he's coming on and getting game time, but it is a bit of a risky thing to do, isn't it? You know, you, you're trying to hold on to a 2-0 lead. Stoke were always going to keep pressing us regardless of the scoreline. Um, and Craig Cathcart's just been out for how long with a, with a, an injury. So was you perhaps a bit surprised to see him bring off CRL to as well? Yeah, surprised to see both those changes. But then I was thinking maybe he's done it to try and protect the, the defence as well by both... Kiko and Sirius are both on yellow cards as well and Stoke have just actually put an actual striker onto the pitch so we don't want to pick up another second yellow card and go down to 10 men um, so that's what I saw from it but I wouldn't I, I didn't really like the change I thought it did unsettle us a little bit of a back yeah. um, it was just a bit yeah it was just a bit more threat, threatening weren't they Stoke and I didn't really like this change it was it takes a while for players to get into the game, doesn't it? And it's this change I, I definitely wouldn't have made. And maybe until injury time uh, when you're yeah, trying to waste time. Yeah, just to down. Yeah. yeah, but Cisco loves making these five changes, don't he? I think he's he done does. it for the last three, four games, hasn't he? <laughs> well, it wasn't long ago. We were moaning about Ivich not doing that. I think, was it at QPR? He didn't bring on all five subs. And we was like, why is he not using all five? Uh, so now we've obviously got the opposite effect with Munoz. Uh, what was sort of saying... You don't need to use all five. Uh, we will talk about one of the substitutes uh, in, in a little bit because I don't know if anyone else noticed it, but I certainly did. And perhaps sums up his, his spell so far. Um, Ryan mentions, obviously, they had um, Stephen Fletcher on the bench. They had Sam Vokes on the bench, which really surprised me as well uh, because those two have got goals in them. Fletcher hadn't scored since the Reading away game, which was back in November. So it was nailed on that he was going to score against us. Um, didn't really look like doing anything when he come on straight away. The turning point was when Sam Vokes come on. Sam Vokes come on and straight away, I think Stoke had an opportunity to lump it up. They've then somehow sort of got together this attack and then Stephen Fletcher's put it in the back of the net. But Sam Vokes is a player that really, really scares me whenever we play against him because he's literally such an old-fashioned defender, uh, defender, striker. And he just got something ticking for Stoke. And from that goal then, we obviously had eight minutes, sorry, seven minutes of normal time left. And then we had the six minutes, which we wouldn't have known about at that time, but we had six minutes. So we had uh, 13 minutes left to play. And they were the, that was the toughest 13 minutes ever. But Ben, is that testament to our defence? Because, you know, a lot has been made about our defence this season. Ivic has come in and obviously shored up the defence Defensively, we, we look really solid. Um, I think we've got one of the best defensive records. I think it's away from home, even though we've we've sort of scored the fewest amount. We, we've also conceded the fewest amount as well, I think. Um, but testament to our defence, because Stoke were just peppering us. They, they've got big lumps of Stephen Fletcher. I think they still had um, Nick Powell on the pitch as well. He's a, he's a big lad. Uh, then you've got Sam Bokes as well. So... Was it was that testament to our defence, Ben, as how well they're doing this season? Yeah, they stood strong. Um, maybe the Watford side last season when we was in the Prem, when you can see uh-huh. 
God. It would be a bit shaky, wouldn't it, for the next couple of minutes afterwards? And they yeah. would look to concede again and maybe again after that. But yeah, they stood strong yesterday. Um, they're all working hard for each other this season, aren't they? The defence, they're looking very solid. And yeah, it's got to go down to Ivic, really. He, he's really sorted out that defence for us this season. But I did like that change that uh, Cisco did do. He did bring on Ben Wilmot and he sat in, he sat in front of the uh, defence, really, didn't he? He was playing. Yeah. Defensive midfield, it looked like. And, um, I did like that. It gave it a bit more security from set pieces. You'd have another taller player in there heading the ball away. But I don't know about you, if you've noticed it, but Chalabar um, on set pieces for us, he clears everything from a front post, don't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he was. He had a really solid game last night. And I think you put, um, I think you put a tweet out, a picture of uh, Deeney and Chalabar celebrating after last night's win. Um, and I think someone pointed out that you know, Chalibur was a bit of an unsung hero in that game because I think, was he last week you were saying that was one of his better performances? Are we perhaps starting to see the Chalibur of old? Obviously, you know, that's a big comparison to make because when he first comes to the club, he was brilliant. Um, but are we perhaps starting to see that a little bit, Ben? A bit more, um, I think we're, more we're seeing... I think we're seeing more consistent performances of Chalibur. I think that was his issue yeah, before. Think, yeah. he, he wasn't consistent enough for us and... But but since um, this season, it, I thought it's taken him a, a while to warm up this season. But the last three, four games, I think he's growing into it and he, he's looking much better. Um, and long may it continue. Absolutely. Um, we mentioned those substitutions. Obviously, Andre Gray coming on for Joel Pedro in injury time and Ben Wilmot coming on for Tom Cleverley. Um, <laughs> Ryan, I'll probably ask you this one because you you get to to speak to uh, Mr. Munoz in the in press conferences. But there was quite an unhappy figure on that bench. It looked as if James Garner was asked to be come on, and then at the last minute he was told no. And uh, I, I don't know where in the ground he was sitting if he was near the sort of the players or anything. But he threw his coat or whatever he he threw his shirt on the ground and then stormed back to his seat. It's just not happening for him. As as Munoth maybe indicated, why it's he's not getting a look in, or or, or do you perhaps think of anything yourself? Or it was it was strange last night because it, it from where I was sat, and and this is purely my guess. Um, yeah. It looked like he'd been asked. To, they they were ready to make the change, but Garner himself wasn't quite ready, ah, and okay. perhaps that um, that and um, that maybe annoyed the coaching staff or whatever. I'm not sure. That's, you know, that's not a, a definite, that's just the way I perceived it. Um, yeah. But yeah, as you say, it's, it's, he's not getting the chances that he was getting under Ivic and, you know, how effective he was during those games is another conversation, but, you know, I, he obviously came here because he wants game time and, and he's not getting it at the minute. And then, to, to have a chance last night and then to have it immediately taken away from him before he's even on the pitch. You can understand this frustration. Um, it, it's not something that Munoz has been asked yet, but I think, you know, given that there was that incident yesterday, it might come up perhaps at the next press conference. Um, but, you know, I, I think he is a player that Munoz will want to have around given the number of injuries he's had to deal with already. And, and whenever you ask Munoz about individual players he will point out the points that he likes about them and then he'll be very quick to move on and, and praise the, the squad as a whole and he'll always say I have 24 excellent players they're all ready to play and and I'm going to need them all going forward so I think you know there is definitely opportunities ahead for Ghana um, 
just whether or not he'll be he'll be ready to take them is you know is is for him to decide. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, Ben, me and you have spoken about you us Man United fans and James Garner's the best player in a Watford kit so far this season. I, I'd love to know where they're getting their information from. I really, really would. Because you, you genuinely see on, on Twitter, you know, James Garner's the next best thing since Salzburg bread. And listen, I'm sure he is a good player, but I always thought it was a bit of a risk. His first ever loan spell. And they've put him out at a championship team that wants to bounce straight back to the Premier League. Now, whether that's something to do with how much they rate him, but I always think that, OK, if you think championships is level, sticking with a side that may be mid-table, um, not a team with so much pressure on them. Uh, so whether we see him get another chance at all this season or run of games, maybe, I think he needs to score a goal and then we'll see his confidence. He, you'll see a weight lifted off his shoulders. Um but in terms of the game itself, obviously, just to sum it up, we, we did manage to, to hang on for those six added minutes, uh, which was a really, really painful watch. But that put us level on points with Swansea. Obviously, we have played a game more than them. Um, they, I think they, they're in the FA Cup this weekend against Nottingham Forest. So they'll have a, maybe a couple of games hands, uh, in hand on us. Um, but 46 points now, um, seven points beyond Norwich, who are top, same amount of games. Um, and we are seven points clear of Middlesbrough, who are seventh. That was a massive, massive win because Stoke could have gone 40 points, three points behind us. Um, so we, we we add a little bit of pressure um, onto the top two, which is what we've wanted to do all season. Um, so three wins in a row, absolutely brilliant for us. Um, and we now look ahead to Millwall on the Tuesday night. Um, just a couple of things outside of the game, obviously, to touch on now. Um, you may have seen on the Watford Twitter that five of our games have been moved and four of them are now on TV. So we're at home to QPR. That's been moved to Monday, February the 1st. That's a quarter to eight kickoff and that'll be on Sky Sports. Uh, we're away to Coventry City on the 6th of February. That was a three o'clock kickoff, but it's now a half 12 kickoff also on Sky Sports. Um, the away game to Preston North Ends is Tuesday, the 16th of February. It was a quarter to eight kickoff. It is now a seven o'clock kickoff. That one isn't on Sky Sports. Um, and then home to Derby County, it's moved to Friday, the February, uh, Friday, February the 19th, quarter to eight on Sky Sports. And then, of course, they were going to pick this one. Uh, let's hope Tim Robinson isn't the referee for this one. We're away to Bournemouth. And that's been moved to twelve thirty early kickoff on. Um, well, these my notes say February the second, but I can assure you that isn't when the game is itself. It's February the twenty seventh, uh, so that's been moved as well. Um, so that's with the the, the movements of the TV. Obviously, we've sort of pricked somebody's ears up at, at Sky at the moment because we we I don't think we had there was a month where we didn't have a TV game at all. Uh, and now it seems that they've moved all our games to TV. So it's uh, it's always good to uh, to watch us on Sky. Um, moving forward for the transfers now, the uh, little bit of transfer news. Uh, something, hap something did happen before we started recording as well. Um, we know that Glenn Murray is currently training alone whilst looking for another club. Uh, the Athletic Adam Leventhal tweeted that. Not a massive surprise, Ben. You know, when he was, when he was brought in, we were perhaps a little bit, I mean, it happened so quick and without us really hearing about it, we were a little bit surprised. 
Um, you thought it might work out because he's he's got the pedigree of a striker that will score goals at this level, but it's just not worked out for him here, has it, Ben? No, it hasn't worked out for him, but I, th- I think we we signed him really quickly, didn't we? And I think yeah. we had one eye on Troy Deeney possibly leaving that um, transfer window as well, and we wanted maybe another big man to replace him up front. Um, that's the only why, what, reason why I think he's probably hasn't featured as much. Troy mm-hmm. Deeney stayed at the club, and uh, Glenn Murray hasn't really got a look in. I don't know what you make of that, Ryan. Yeah, I, th- I think you more or less hit it on the head there, Um you know, he was brought in with the expectation that perhaps either Dini or Gray or maybe even both were, were going to be heading out during the summer and then both ended up staying for, for one reason or another. And, you know, he he had a, a couple of opportunities early on and it, it didn't really work out for him. Um, you know, it, it's funny, you look back to the, the last game, he played that Wickham game and he had that chance oh, towards the end yeah, of the match. Yeah. And you, you think... Had he taken that, could things have worked out a little bit differently for him? Um, as it is, you know, he, he's not been involved in a squad, I think, since possibly November. And he, he is, as you say, training on his own. You know, it's it's a situation that isn't great for, for anyone at the minute. You know, obviously he wants to play. He's approaching the end of his career. Watford don't really want him on the books if he, if you know, if they're just spending money on, on having him training on his own. So mm-hmm. a, a solution does need to be found that, that benefits him, that benefits Brighton, that benefits Watford. And so for, for all three to be in agreement with another club coming in to try and find somewhere for him to play as well, it, it's a complicated situation, one that I would probably expect to, to go on towards the, the end of the transfer window. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... Moving on to another player that we've we've been linked with a couple more players, which um, is always the case when you're a Watford fan. You, they, it's going to bring up names that you've never heard of before. Uh, we are we've entered talks apparently to sign Ren midfielder James Lee Siliki. I think I pronounced that right. I don't know. Um, it, we we understand that the deal will be a six month loan with an option to buy. Um, we're looking for a midfield, obviously, because of Kapu. Uh, and Lee Saliki is the club's number one choice, according to RMC Sport on Twitter. He would be very interested in a move to England. Obviously, Wren is Sarah's old club. So whether there's conversations that have been sparked there, I'm sure Sarah's had a word with him. He's played 57 times for Wren, scoring three goals. Um, and he's made three appearances for France under-19s. Uh, and supposedly, the player wants to join but the deal is difficult. I can imagine that he's down to um, to wages and everything like that. Uh, and we were rumoured to have him back in summer 2019. Now, Ryan, is that anything? Has, has anything been cropped up there at Watford Observer about these guys? Is it still early days, or or, or what? What are any potential sticking points that you know of? Um, I mean, as, as as far as I'm aware, or, or from what I've been told, it is still sort of early stages and nothing has progressed too far beyond discussions. Uh, you know, Watford are looking for someone to replace Etienne Capu and, you know, whether this guy is the answer is, you know, someone obviously thinks it might be. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, it is complicated because of the, you know, 
additionally to, to what you were just talking about, there's also the the new Brexit rules and, and whether they can, you know, whether he meets the requirements. I'm sure he probably would. Um, he's, he's played Champions League football before, so I think that should help him. Um, or poss- um, so, you know, it's it's a difficult deal to, to do. Any any deal is always difficult to do in January, and I think it's it's one that you know will take a bit more time just yet. I'm aware they've spoken to him, and then he seems keen to to make the deal happen. I know he is friends with Ismail Astar. They did play together at Ren. Um, it, it's just you know ironing, ironing out all the the complexities of, of the deals that still needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sounds like one that could go down to the. Uh, deadline day and we're actually playing QPR on deadline day I think as well which could make it difficult well we love it yeah it's it's interesting they, they, they played Derby on the last deadline day didn't they so it's um, yes. any, any it could, could also any work in our favour couldn't it difficult. well it, it could because you know it, it, I think it did last time they had that offer for Saar from Crystal Palace that came in on, on deadline day last time and you know they were just they they turned it down and said, look, we've got a game tonight. We we're not focusing on anything else, and that was that. So um, if they can do that again, then great. But it's whether they're on the other side of the negotiating table come deadline day, how much of a hindrance it could be. Because you know it's it's easy to use it as an excuse to turn away offers, but if if you're still trying to bring someone in, then it's uh, entirely another matter. Absolutely, uh, and uh, another gentleman which we've been linked with and. I'd seem to see his name every transfer window since Apoxos took over. Ghanaian international Quado Asamoah. Uh, he's just been released from Inter Milan last October. Uh, he's been courted by several teams. Uh, this is according to sportsworldghana.com. Um, and we, we obviously need an experienced left-back. Obviously, Messina's come back from injury and I think he's done a sterling job at, at coming back and playing so well. But we obviously need some cover because... And Gakia out on that left side just doesn't cut it for me. And I know Kiko can play there if needed, but uh, really we do need another left left footed sort of defender. So he'd be one to get in. Um, he is known to the Puxos because he used to play for Udinese. So whether anything comes out of that. Uh, another player who we've been linked with as well is um, Man City youngster Kiki Simmons. Um, he's an England 18 forward and he's out of contract in the summer and we've made an inquiry supposedly about a January move now Ryan I don't know if you know of this one but would this be for the first team because it, it, it would seem an almighty risk to to bring obviously he's at Man City for a reason but to bring a, a Man City youngster in and then throw him straight to the first team I mean firstly is this one that you're aware of and secondly if it is would, would this be for the first team because I know that the, the the academy we have signed a couple of players for the academy recently so would it be would it be one for them yeah it's 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 a name that has sort of been been thrown about and it's definitely one we've heard but it's mm. uh, yeah I think it would be one for for the future rather than yeah. for the immediate first team um, just going back to Asamoah and that left back situation that's yes. another interesting one because when Ivic was here whenever you asked him about transfer targets he always said left back was something he wanted now further up the club hierarchy the people you spoke to they said well you know Messina isn't back yet we're going to wait for Messina to come back and then reassess the situation now Messina is back it seems like perhaps that gamble has taken off and maybe the club are less interested in bringing a left back in than 
Ivic certainly was, and um, that might not be one that that goes anywhere at the moment, just because I think they're they're relatively pleased with their decision to wait and, and see how stable they were when Messina came back. Obviously, as you mentioned, Kiko can play on that left-back position as well. Um, and then they've got Ngaki and Martin Navarro's making a few appearances as well on the right. So I think they're relatively pleased with, with their full-back situation at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, point well made. Obviously, Hivic was screaming out for a left, left-sided player, but um, didn't happen for him, unfortunately. But I think, as you've rightly pointed out, we, we have a lot of players that can play in that position if worst-case worst scenario was to happen. Um, and then the last sort of bit of transfer news, um, obviously he was going to be linked with us, Matez Vidra. We've we found out that before, literally, Ben messaged me this just before we started recording. Adam Leventhal and The Athletic have reported that there is interest in, in taking Matez Vidra on loan. We did see earlier in the week that there was perhaps a, a deal. It was very early on, but a deal where Josh King from Bournemouth would be going to Burnley and Vigil would be going the other way. Uh, how true that was, I don't know. Uh, I really hope he doesn't end up at Bournemouth. But interest is there to take him back on loan for a third time he will be at the club. Uh, ben, I know it sounds like a stupid question, but we, we do see this bandied around a lot on Twitter. Uh, and there are some mixed reactions would you actually take him back at Watford? Do you think he would do as well as he has done in these last two spells? Um, I think he'll be better than a certain striker we have been playing <laughs> up front lately. Um, but, I I, whether, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if he's the answer long term. I think he, I think a loan spell could be good, but would you want him if we got promoted in the Prem? Is he going to play week in, week out? Is he the kind of striker that you need? I'm not too sure on that. And like people say, do you keep going back to X's? Um, we've tried it with managers and it's not really worked out. <laughs> do, we, do, do, we try it with, do we try it with um, Vidra and see if that works out? Um, but I, I do definitely think he's better than that one striker we've got. But long-term wise, is he for the answer? I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Ryan, do you, do you think that if he was to come back, do you, do you think that he would hit the ground running like he has the last couple of times? Or is it a bit of a, a, a no-go, do you think? Well, he's, he's he is known to the club as, as a player who, you know, he has been successful during his, his spells at Watford. And, you know, he he has a, an affinity with the club. He's, he's obviously, you know, well-liked by the supporters. Um so I think it is a move that could potentially work out in the short term. I don't think it is one for the long term. I agree with that. And I think a loan deal would be best, certainly for Watford. Um, as I understand it, Burnley are a lot more keen to, if they are going to get rid of him, for it to be full time and then they can yes. bring in a replacement. Um I'm aware that there, there have been a number of people have contacted Burnley about Vidra, one of them being Bournemouth as well as Watford, and you know you wouldn't like to see him go to a relegation rival. Um, it's the situation with him is is interesting because he obviously wants to leave Burnley because he's not getting the game time that perhaps he feels he deserves, and you know the performances that when he has been given a chance at Burnley have been quite good. Um, but then will he get that game time at Watford? Given that you know the the striking options are already sort of it's 
quite a saturated market. We've already spoken about Glenn Murray training on his own because he can't break into the first team. It just seems like a, a bit of an odd one to me. I, I mean, I'm, I have been told this morning that it, it is something that has happened. Watford have made contact and they're still apart on a number of uh, issues with Burnley. But it is an interesting one and definitely one to watch. Yeah, definitely. As you say, Burnley want to get rid of him sort of full-time, sort of as a transfer, where I think in an ideal world, if we were to bring him back, I think he, he, a loan spell would be ideal. Because uh, as you say, you know, we've had him before. It's not really worked out for him in the Prem. And the, the aim of this season is to get to the Prem. So while he might be good for getting us there, he, we, we might be stuck with him next season when we perhaps don't really want to play him in the Premier League so he, as you say Ryan it's a very very interesting one to, to keep an eye on but um, yeah that's the, the the transfer news so far um, as always Watford seems to throw up links here there and everywhere uh, I did notice how Max Waters did actually sign for uh, Cardiff City in the end not Swansea City as I said the other week a um, little bit disappointed we missed out on him but let's see if the gamble pays off for uh for Cardiff City. Um, just quickly before we do end the show, uh, I just very, very quickly want to touch on Tuesday night. We're back in action again. We're at the den. It's rearranged. Um, I can't think why it was rearranged to start with. Um, I'm not sure why it was. I think it was to do with COVID. Uh, yeah, but- Millwall had a number of players that uh, contracted COVID and coaching staff. So, yeah, they had, they had a couple of games postponed. Yeah. Five points from their last five, Ben. Millwall, they're sitting in 16th place, 29 points. Another tough away game. You know, we've luckily we've had some ups and downs at Millwall over the years. We've had some brilliant away days. You know, cash your mind back to the 14 15 season. What a day that was. Uh, and then cash your mind back to, uh, to 17 18 season in the cup under Mazzari, where they absolutely played us off the park and beat us in the cup. So, you know, we know it's a tough place to go. Um, Tuesday night away at Millwall's never, never easy. A uh, little bit more satisfied that there's no fans because if there was fans, it, it's an intimidating place to go at the best of times, let alone a Tuesday night. But how are you feeling going into that one, Ben, considering we, we've won three on the bounce and Millwall oh, perhaps not particularly do very well themselves, which is very surprising, my heart as well, because Gary Rowett seems to usually, um, you know, do wonders wherever he goes, but they've got the fourth worst home record in the league. I must say, I'm, I am gutted that we're in this COVID situation and that because Millwall is by far my favourite away day in the Championship. Yeah. I absolutely love it. A good, good couple of pubs along the Thames that you can go to before you, you head it off uh, to Bermondsey. And yeah, it's a proper old school away game, isn't it? And the, it is. the Millwall fans, it, they make it intimidating, don't they, for any opposition players to go there and. I think we've played them a few times on a Tuesday night. I think I've been there a couple yeah. of times on a Tuesday. But yeah, it's a cracking uh, away day to do. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very different with no fans. It could work in our in our favour um, with no Millwall fans there. Um, I still remember going back to the games you've touched upon, Ian Holloway, um, when he was manager there. Um, yeah, that was he a was giving us a game, that was. Yeah, I think they scored late on in the game, didn't they? Martin uh, Wolford uh, scored in like the 
third minute or something, he was yeah, yeah. not good. Yeah, he loved that, didn't he? But yeah, <laughs> going to this 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 season, um, it's going to be a tough game. Millwall started the season well, but they kind of dropped off lately. Um, but they mm-hmm. lost lost turn uh, time out. They've, they've just picked up a one nil away victory at Huddersfield, which is a good victory, isn't it? It's a, Absolutely. it's a hard place to go to Huddersfield as well. So maybe confidence could be with them a bit. They've got a clean sheet on the road. Uh, who knows? It's, it's going to be a difficult game again. It's always difficult when you play Millwall. Absolutely. And Ryan, do you think we can expect even more rotation, maybe more changes and two again at Millwall on Tuesday night? I'm sure there'll be one or two. Yeah, it's... Um... It's proven a little bit difficult to second guess what Munoz is going to do. I don't think anyone could really have predicted that we'd see Cleverly and Hughes rotating out on the wing last night, but there we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. Um, I'd like to see Zinconago given a, st- uh, a chance from the start because I think against uh, Barnsley he did well when he came yeah. off the bench last night, perhaps. He struggled to get into the game a bit after he, he came on. So I'd like to see him, you know, have a full game and, and see how well he plays when he's not, you know, coming on and, and trying to get used to the, the rhythm of a match that's already been playing for, for an hour or so. Yeah. Um, and just sticking with you, just uh, just quick there, score prediction, Ryan? Throw you on the bus a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, it'll be a difficult one, but it, I'm, I'm expecting Watford to, to, you know, keep the run going. I, I think they'll win. You know, one nil, maybe two one. It'll it'll not be a a, a pasting if they do win, but I, I think you know there's a, a really good opportunity there for them to to build on what they've amassed in the last three games. Yeah, yeah, I'm not expecting it to be a classic to be honest, but I'm going to go with two nil. Ben, finish with um, a nice score on me. Uh, I'm going to give oh, a bit more. Um, oh, oh, not no. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, hear the panic just, in your voice. <laughs> it, it's tough going to Millwall, isn't it? I yeah, think yeah, it is. Yeah. We might we might end up coming away with maybe a draw, but I'm I'm going to be trying to be positive. I'll, try, I'll say a one 0 Watford win. Okay, yeah, we'll take that. A win is a win, and it puts pressure on the teams above us. Uh, you know, after all, we're after those. Ideally, we're after top spot, but. Top two will do. So we level on points with Swansea now. So hopefully they lose their game in hand on us. But yep, under no illusion, it is going to be a tough game on that Tuesday night. But that's it for this week. Thank you very, very much for joining us as always. Massive, massive thank you to uh, our special guest, Ryan, uh, from the Watford Observer for uh, for joining us today as well. Um <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, I hope you, uh, you you have safe travel back to uh, to. I assume is it Hertfordshire you're actually living in, or uh, I actually, I live in Berkshire, so not too oh, far away, but yeah. Um, yeah, just a little bit further. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wish you a, a safe journey back from uh, from Stoke this morning. Uh, but yeah, the the next time that you'll uh, you'll hear from us guys, it will be to speak about the QPR game. Um, where we will have another special guest and we'll obviously announce that the day before on our Twitter and Instagram feed. So make sure you keep an eye out on that. Um, but yeah, hopefully next time we will be speaking to you, we'll be speaking about four wins and a bounce. We will also be speaking to a, a Coventry fan. We were due to get a Millwall fan on today, but unfortunately they didn't get back to us. So it's a little bit annoying. Uh, so we haven't forgotten about those fan interviews because we do like bringing those guys uh, to, to you, to you guys listening at home. But Thank you as always for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. 
Another win for Watford. More pressure mounted on the top two. Hopefully, this is the start of something good. Take care and enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.